box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast. Hello and welcome to Box Office Refund Podcast. I'm Nico Bell. And I'm Ward. And we review low-rated movies. And decide if their critics were wrong. Ward, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm a little tired. Yeah, I was... I was a bit surprised when you said you wanted to review Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4 in one episode. <laughs> I thought, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm not committed to the podcast, so I watched them all twice because I want to be prepared. So yeah, I haven't slept in two days because I've been on a Scream marathon. You didn't really watch all those Screams before you watched Scream 4, did you? No, I thought you said that I'd watch Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4, you know, that we're going to do them all. I really hope you didn't have to watch I didn't all have to do a Scream marathon? Oh, oh no. <laughs> We, we watched Scream 4. <laughs> Hopefully you did not watch the awful ones before. I watched Although, Scream four times. Is that wrong? You know what? That would be just fine. <laughs> it really, it probably, I'd probably have the same review either way. I actually, I'd never seen Scream 4 before. Obviously when Scream came out, it was a big kind of hit. I, I mean, I want to say it's a hit because everybody loved the villain and they dressed up for it at Halloween. And you still see that Scream guy for Halloween nowadays. You at least see one person with that stupid mask on. So, it, you know, it did really well. And then it did its trilogy. And I, I think I saw the other two when they came out. I can't really remember. I know I definitely did not see this one. This was my first viewing of it. Could have gone without. Scream was huge. Scream, it was that, and I know you did last summer. At that point in time, those two movies were huge. They redefined the slasher genre when, you know, I don't think we'd had the slasher genre was as big since, I don't know, Freddy and Jason and that. Those people. Uh, I, if you'd asked me, have you seen Scream 4? I would have said, yes, I have. I realized when watching it, I hadn't, this just got lost in the sea of Scream movies. Because they're, I mean, they're all pretty much the same. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen him, but I would argue this is probably the worst of the streamings. I don't know about that. With, well, which one's you know, is worse? I mean, I really honestly don't remember any of them. It can't be the first. I don't think it's the second. Who knows what happens in the third one? I'm not sure anybody knows. I really don't remember all of them. I didn't. Act, I actually did not hate this movie. I think it was a bad movie, but I don't think it was the worst movie that we've seen recently. I, I mean, I think it was fine for what it was. It's a slasher movie. It's a final girl thing. Yeah, it has these terrible twists, but you're, you're expecting it. And it pokes fun at itself. It pokes fun at the genre. It's not taking itself too seriously. And the, uh, what's that? Emma, whoever, Emma Julia Roberts. Yeah, I actually think this is her niche. Like, this is what she can do well, is like that snarky teenage bad girl thing so you know overall i i didn't sleep through it i didn't text through it i didn't look on pinterest to avoid watching it like i didn't skip through it so it's not the worst thing if you're looking for like a halloween movie that you don't really want to get too invested in just to like have on a friday night it's not the worst pick we have seen worse oh certainly we've seen worse i i couldn't help but watch this and think this movie is an example of the problem with horror movies that Scream Scream comes out. It's not a revolutionary idea, but it's something new, something that grabs a hold of the public consciousness, and people love it. So, of course, the producers say, we have to make more. And then sure. you just keep making more until you get Scream 4, and it doesn't make any money. You think, well, it's not financially viable to make this movie anymore. But the reason people loved the first Scream was that it was different. So doing the same thing over and over is counterintuitive to the whole thing. And I will say, and again, this is based on my memory. I don't know when these movies came out. Saw when they came out. I haven't seen them since. Scream 2 was a little bit different than it. It got into movie tropes and horror movie tropes and tried to be a little clever with that. 
Not as good as Cabin of the Woods. If you want to see a good movie, I'd recommend that one. Not that I'm here to do that tonight. But this one, it <laughs> tries to get into tropes, but it just felt like a very lazy, very lazy implementation of everything in this movie. It's like, oh yeah, we'll just repackage everything we've seen before and put it in this movie. It's low effort. That's my problem with this movie. It just feels low effort. And even the parts that, to me, wouldn't take much effort to make a little bit better, to do a little bit better. It's just kind of... And then, I think also, at this point, these, like, crazy human beings disappear in the blink of an eye. Well, that's just impossible. If it's a spirit or a ghost, sure, I'll buy that. But it just seems a little tired and dated to have these killers murder a whole room of people, and then you turn one way, look back, and they're gone, and you didn't hear anything, you didn't see anything. It's improbable. And I, I don't know. Some movies make that work, but this movie does not. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that, but it knows what it is. Scream 4 understands that it is not going to be breaking any barriers in the horror genre, which is why it constantly is referencing itself and saying that this is a remake or a reboot or whatever the word is. And like they're constantly, the actors are constantly talking about how terrible what they're doing is within the movie. So it's kind of funny and stupid and corny. And I think the real thing that kind of probably steered people off is that Sydney isn't the lead person anymore. What they were trying to do is to get that Emma Julia Roberts person to be like the new Sydney. And so if you go and you watch and you're hoping to see Sydney running after and like saving the day, it's not, I mean, yeah, kind of, but not really what it's about. Well, that, so, that's a know. very interesting perspective I hadn't considered. I never considered that this was trying to spin off with Emma Roberts as a star. That's actually a more fascinating move. I mean, I don't want to go too far into the movie since we haven't even started talking about it. But if this were to spin off and she was the focus, it'd be a really interesting perspective for the whole Scream franchise. That would actually interest me. Well, I think that's what they were saying. Like, I think they make reference to it in the movie that that is the whole point. Well, either I missed it or they failed. One of the two. Maybe a combination of both. Probably both. Because I'm looking at Scream 5 and it looks like Sydney is back to being in her lead. There's a Scream 5? There is a Scream 5. At what point of production is that in? Have they started filming it or is it just an idea? No, no. I think it already happened. It looks like the Uh, return of Ghostface. It does exist. It came out last year. This is insane. I didn't even know that. Actually, I was just looking up. So we'll have to look into that and see where that... It's probably on Netflix. We watch this on Netflix for anybody watching. You know, what's interesting about these movies, there's so many good actors in it. You have, you know, uh, of course you have Kristen Bell, and you have Emma Roberts, and Hayden Panettiere, and Courtney Cox, and David Arquette, and Alison Brie. Like, you have so many people in these movies. Kind of wish they could have done a little bit better, done a little bit more. But you know what, for what it was, I'm not angry. I'm not angry I watched this movie. Let's put it that way. Right. Considering the other movies that we will be watching this month, particularly, I'm not angry. <laughs> I just want to back up. I don't think Scream 5 actually exists. It seems to be it was in production or at least there was uh, some sort of concept. It doesn't seem to have progressed past that. It looks like Kevin Spacey was on a poster for Scream 5. That might be probably... Maybe someone just photoshopped that in. I'm guessing that's that's that seems... I mean, I'm not going to say improbable. I mean, who knows? Well, if there ever becomes a Scream 5, I will watch it. Because this why? movie was kind of like, it was, well, you know, why not? It's like when you go see a Fast and the Furious movie at this point. 
No, Why are you not. going to see any more Fast and the Furious movies at this point? It's because it's part of a franchise that you love that is something a part of your childhood or teenage years or whatever. So Scream is like oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't like... play that Fast and the Furious claim. <laughs> you, you know of Hobbs saying... and Shaw, right? Do you know what I'm happens just... in that movie? That is so far past what Fast and the Furious is as a franchise. I'm just saying that franchises like this, franchises that start off really good and then they get so stupid. Like, you still go and see it. still makes money because it plays off of, like, that original really good, interesting, fun movie that people remember from back in the day and they just want to be part of the franchise. So you're so- saying, people watching Fast and the Furious, they think, man, the first movie was good. I've hated everyone since then. Maybe this one's going to be different. That's what you're saying. I, I feel like once people commit to that franchise, they continue to commit no matter what. No. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. No. And that's what happens with Scream. People just watch Scream okay. because it's like it, these movies usually release in October and you want to go to the theater and see a somewhat scary movie. And a lot of times this is the best you have. But we don't anymore. We have Hereditary. We have. Uh, what yeah. was that I other mean, this movie? Is, yeah. Oh. Midsummer. There's a lot of good horror movies that are taking is, the genre no. something completely different. You can't. You can't even compare this versus those. Those are like really good, epic, beautifully made movies. These are Friday night. Friends are over. Popcorn's popped. We're gonna be talking during the movie, but we want to still watch a movie. Movie. They're completely different. Okay. And in take, this genre, take the Bloomhouse production horror movies. That are on a shoestring budget, like, you know, Jason Bloom has got it down to a science how to make a cheap movie. Even those have something compelling about them. And this movie doesn't. This kind of movie doesn't. This movie is pure franchise bloat. And I think the industry as a whole is moving past that because it realizes you can't just keep turning out the same movie over and over. Well, this movie, you said it didn't do well. And yes, in the USA, it didn't make back its money. But worldwide, it made back its money. So, to say that it didn't do well, I don't know. I think that's a misrepresentation well, see, of I think for. those stats are misleading because you realize that an employee for Screen 4 has to get in a boat and row over seas. Really? And you know how much that costs? So, yeah, like, really? yeah they're trying to spin it as they're made their, mo- they're made their money back, but they didn't. It's expensive to get movies overseas. And so, no, I will not believe that this movie made a profit. Do you want to talk about the movie now? Do you want to maybe fill people in? Oh, I did. In case I was done. That was know? all I had. So Sydney Prescott, we know and love, is now the author of a self-help book, returns home to Woodsboro on the last stop of her book tour. There she reconnects with Sheriff Dewey and Gail, who are now married, as well as her cousin Jill and her Aunt Kate. Unfortunately, Sydney's appearance also brings about the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney, Gail, and Dewey, along with Jill, her friends, and the whole town of Woodsboro in danger. So, I mean, Boom. let's say you're browsing the shelves looking for a self-help book. You know, like, oh, this one's about confidence. <laughs> this one's about, you know, anxiety. Ooh, here's one about how not to get murdered by a serial. Like, I don't know. Where does this go on the shelf with the other self-help books? What part yeah. of that genre? How to be the final girl <laughs> in a real-life horror. Uh, okay, so this movie starts out several different times. Well, that See, was actually brilliant. Like, I thought that was See? pretty brilliant. And if Thank the rest you. of the movie had kind of had that... I mean, it's almost really campy, because in the yes. this movie starts three times. And yes. the first time I'm thinking, this is terrible. This is really bad. And then, like, right before we got that revealed the first time, I was I bet I know what they're doing here. And I thought it was really good, but the rest of the movie just doesn't... It's never that clever, never that neat. But yeah, great start to a movie. 
And it's making fun of itself. Like, the first beginning is criticizing Saw 4. Again, a franchise that, you know, has really shouldn't have made all of those movies, but people are committed to the franchise, so they go and see, just like with Scream, you're committed to the franchise, you go and see. So they start off by criticizing that, and they're saying, like, hey, you're hot, I want to kill you. So they're criticizing that the hot girl gets killed, and then they criticize in, like, the next opening that sequels are so predictable, and they don't know when to stop. That is through the whole entire movie. They're making fun of it. So I, they know what they're doing. I mean, they weren't trying to make something revolutionary in horror. Yeah, but if the, if the whole movie was to the same quality level as the beginning of this movie, great, wonderful. It's not. This is the peak of the movie, and it's the <laughs> beginning. Like, there's no other... Like, they talk about reboots and remakes and horror movie tropes, but it never seems as smart or as poignant as the way this beginning works. I mean, they could have had a lot more fun with that. They could have... Maybe they could have done multiple things. I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a minute. But the way this opens is good, and none of the rest of the movie is quite as good. I also just want to point out that this, the market for this, I feel like, was teenagers. It's not adults. So I think they wanted to keep it... Like, you were comparing, like, Hereditary being one of, like, the more obviously better horror. <laughs> like, that's where horror is going, as it should be. But they need these sort of teenage horror movies that are silly and ridiculous and not that great. You know, we're not trying to scare and disturb the way Hereditary disturbs, like, a 16-year-old. I mean, that's not what we're trying to do. So, you, I mean, I feel like we can cut this some slack. It is what it is. So you're it's saying this younger. fills the void of horror movie genre that's not actually scary. That's the void yeah. we're looking for? Well, yeah, not like I can't sleep at night scary. This isn't going to keep you up. This isn't disturbing you. This is a movie you'll forget. And there's nothing wrong with I want a horror like movie that. that's going to leave me with a good laugh when I'm done. I think I'm comedy looking for scream. horror. Comedy horror is a thing. And maybe some people found this funny. I found it funny at times. I think the beginning was funny. I think some of the kills were ridiculous and stupid and therefore could be funny. I don't know. what. I'm not here to comment on what people find humorous. I found I'm one just... kill in the movie funny. I will admit. Okay. One kill was funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. So beginnings, like we said, they start, stop, start, stop, stop, stop. I didn't actually realize they were fake beginnings. So kudos to you for realizing they were going to do that. I was surprised and taken as a fool each and every time that they did a fake beginning. Um, oh, yeah, what I love about this is that stab like the beginning of this movie, stab six to stab seven is scream four. Yeah. I thought it was just well done. And I just wish there was an idea that good in the rest of the movie. But this, there's no other idea quite this good. Well, listen, it's, you know what? Some movies just kind of fill out preconceived plot points and stereotypes and stuff. And that's what this does. We're really just plugging into a formula. For Nothing sure. wrong with that. Nothing no, wrong with that. A little bit wrong with that. You know what? It's like reading a romance novel. You know exactly what's going to happen. But the romance industry is like a $6 billion industry because there's nothing wrong with knowing how it's going to happen. It's enjoyable regardless. So you know what's going to happen in this movie, but it's enjoyable regardless. Well, I mean, I would have to argue that point that there are movies I know it's going to happen and they're enjoyable. There's movies I know it's going to happen and they're not enjoyable. And this falls in the not enjoyable category because if you know it's going to happen... But then the movie can't rely on the plot of the story because there's just there's nothing there if you know what's going to happen. So it has to rely on the characters or the strength of the writing. And then this movie doesn't have that. So there's nothing to rely on. The only thing it has to rely on is people getting murdered. And for me, that doesn't go very far. 
Well, we'll have to see what other people think. Okay. It doesn't matter so- what other people think. I'm the reviewer. <laughs> My word is law. Okay. I suppose in this case. <laughs> yeah, like, like with this movie, and I can't help but think about this throughout the movie. Let's say you or I personally, we were in a bedroom and there was a killer in the closet on the phone. You don't think you'd hear him talking. How does no one ever hear him? And then, even worse than that, sometimes he's ostensibly killing and talking on the phone. So you're telling me he's got a cell phone in one hand and a knife in the other. That seems very difficult. And you think you'd, you know, there'd be some bleed, pun intended, on both sides as he's killing, as he's talking. You'd hear like, oh, they're screaming in the background. What's up with that? Or you think maybe he'd have a Bluetooth headset at this point. Why be fooling with a phone in hand? You need both hands, I would think, to kill somebody. I just don't know how any of that works. And this movie doesn't explain any of it. I don't feel like this movie needs to explain any of it. This is not a movie that needs to explain and make things realistic. It's a legitimate question. I need to know It is how a legitimate question. Um, I'm a little worried about that point. We can. Well, no, because <laughs> I don't... it's so improbable. I mean, how can you be in a closet? Like, there's, what, a louver door between Ghostface Killer and a girl. He's on the phone, and they're saying, what? What are you saying? I'm the Ghostface Killer. Can you not hear me? And the girl doesn't hear. Like, how do you not hear that? That's a gaping hole in this movie. Yes. No, yes, I will say. I agree. I think we're jumping ahead. I don't care. But he's like, I'm in your closet. And then, you know, there's this big lead up. They don't want to look in the closet. They finally open it. He's like, I didn't say I was in your closet. What a good joke. I mean, the guy, Ghostface Killer's funny. You know, I'll give him that. He's he's hilarious. He's got a yes. sense of timing. Yes. They're really, I mean, like you said, there's not a whole lot of plot here, so we can kind of skim through this beginning bit. Because Sydney has returned, she's on her book tour. Allison Brie is her manager or publicist or something. I love Allison Brie. I was pleasantly surprised that she's in this movie. We see David Arquette and Courtney Cox, who are married. Courtney Cox is bored, I think, of the kind of suburban quiet life. Of I this never movie. liked her character. Yeah. <laughs> I never liked her character to begin with. I don't like her character in this one as well. And then we kind of set things up. You have Hayden Panettiere, who is the, what, like, sexy rebel teenager friend of Jill, who is Sydney's cousin. And, um, yeah, and that basically is the setup of characters. And then things start to go wrong really fast. You, I mean, it gets into it pretty quickly. You are right. Things you, go wrong really fast. Because early on, they're watching Shaun of the Dead. Huge shout out. I love that they're watching Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Then they laughed at a part that I didn't... wasn't really funny. Like, it wasn't a funny part, Shaun of the Dead, which really turned me off. And I think it colored my whole perception of the movie. But if this movie did more of that... I mean, later in the movie, we get some trivia about horror movies. But if it really kind of cut into horror movies like it did Saw and just breaking it down, if they did that throughout... I'd like that a lot more. They don't. No, I know. Oh, I do want to say that the Stab movies were directed by Robert Rodriguez. I really like that aspect of it. Because that's something you easily would miss if you don't know Robert Rodriguez and his the movies he's done. I thought that was a neat touch. Because he's done, I think he's done some of the zombie movies. He's done a bunch of things. I know he did some of the, what, the Mexican trilogy movies, Antonio Banderas. <laughs> they, I think... They loved, this was a nice little nod toward the love of the horror genre. I mean, the teenagers are part of a horror movie club and they do trivia and there's a lot of, you know, tips of the hat to all sorts of horror movies. Are there a lot of tips to the hat? Like maybe a couple. I mean, she has to answer all those questions to keep that one dude from being killed. That's at the end and it feels completely tacked on. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, I wanted to see them 
tearing down the genre and really saying this is what's wrong with the horror movie genre, like it did in the beginning with Saw. Let's point out bad examples instead of becoming its own bad example. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So what we're doing is starting to line up suspects, and we get into that really quickly, too. Jill has an ex-boyfriend who seems a bit ominous and some sort of like a bad boy or something. We don't really know what's up with him yet. Um, and then it really goes straight into the first killing, which is that girl that you talked about, whose name was Olivia, who lives next door to Jill. And that's the first killing we get. I actually have notes on that where it says the cops are gone. They couldn't figure out he was in the closet. Sydney runs over to help. Why is she running anywhere? Like, yeah, I guess I didn't love that as well. There are just there's so many things. I mean, the Olivia's friends are just st- looking at the window, screaming as she dies. I mean, not that they can do anything, but I don't know. Pick up a phone. Just, they could call nine one one. There were cops time. outside. They could have ran outside and found the cops. Like there was a lot of things they could have do. Well, I did like um, that Sydney runs over there. I'm thinking, well, what is she going to do? Is she going to get killed this early? Because, you know, the cousin, I didn't know if this was going to be a handoff early on. And she actually kicks butt and punches Ghostface. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. She has a lot of agency. But again, everything I like about this movie, they don't continue. They kind of do it and throw it away. See, I thought Sydney was going to die then, and then it was going to get passed over to Jill, like the Ah, franchise was going to get passed over to Jill. That was my intention. So when she didn't die, I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see where this goes. So, um, yeah, okay, so that's what happens, and we have um, the first death. Then her agent, Sydney's agent, really wants Sydney to capitalize on this first death, and that, what's his name, Ghostface, Screamface? Ghostface killer. Yeah. Ghostface killer has come back and Sydney fires her agent. Okay, we're getting to the point. But don't where- you appreciate Allison Reed's just upbeat options like, oh, you know, this is not gonna be a hurdle. We're gonna use this to our advantage. That's the kind of manager you want. That they don't see hurdles, they see solutions, they see opportunities. So I actually I like Allison Bree's death scene. And we're, we're to it, basically. Like, this oh, yeah. movie goes really fast. So, it's not much to it. So, she is walking through a parking lot. Of course, she's walking through a parking lot. And, of course, it's dark. And she's all by herself or whatever. And uh, she gets the screen man, is, you know, on the phone. So, she knows that he's out there and he's lurking or whatever. And she runs into her car. And I just like that when she gets in her car, she locks the doors and she checks the back seats. And I was just like, that's so... Like, that just, to me was very, very nice and realistic because nobody ever checks the freaking back seats. And then when the scream guy like jumps on her car and you're kind of thinking like what's going to happen, like she waits and she gets out and she checks underneath the car. Like she's a smart cookie. I mean, she dies, but at least she's doing some things that are more realistic. She's checking into the places that could be, you know, that he could be lurking about. No, yeah, I agree. That, yeah. Wait. But then again, a lot of times I just think in movies like this, when the person doesn't check the back seat and it's a horror movie, they just want to die. They're just asking for it. <laughs> I mean, she stopped and did it. I thought she was very smart. And of course, she gets thrown, um, I guess, off a building or something uh, onto a news truck, it looks like. So she dies next, which is sad. I liked her character. I thought she was she was funny. Because as Ghostface tells us, she is the message. Yes. Lovely. Uh, and then we get a little bit of the cinema club at the high school. And the two nerds that run the cinema club, as they are stereotypically nerdy, are Trevor and Kirby, I think are their names. No, Kirby was Hayden Panettiere. I, it's, oh, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know what the other guy's <laughs> name was. I think his name might have been Charlie. Charlie, yeah, Charlie. That sounds right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. 
So they wanted Sydney to come and chit chat and talk about it, and she agrees to it because why not go and talk about being? See, that's why you need a manager, a and that's why it's unfortunate her manager got killed. Her manager was like, "No, you can't do this, man. It's it's a high school horror movie club. There's no reason you should be there. You're trying to promote your self help book, not." delve into that movie. Well, they talk about it in the cinema club. They're saying things like the killer should be working by rules of a movie remake. Like, they're talking. They're I mean, they're calling stuff out. What's stupid, here's the thing I think is stupid about this movie, is that they have a -a stab-a-thon when all of this is going on. So they're going to watch all these stab movies while people are dying. And Sydney's like, this is a terrible idea. You're absolutely shouldn't do this. You guys are a bunch of dum-dums. And all the kids are like, oh, no, we're so cool. We're going to have a stab on. Nothing's going to happen. That's stupid. Well, I don't even I think, think they said nothing's going to happen. I believe the kids say, yeah, this stab marathon would be the perfect time for the government to sort of kill people. Should we stop it? No, we should go full steam ahead. All right, cool. And they do. They do. They all go. Courtney Cox sets up some cameras there, and she ends up getting attacked by him. And, I mean, this is, I guess it is a little boring when you read it all out like this, because it does get kind of predictable. I mean, people just start dying. Cops start dying. Um, You know, Sydney has to be guarded and protected. Jill, Jill is so, okay. We know at the end why Jill is a dum-dum, but throughout it, she's also just very stupid because when you are being threatened by a killer and someone's like, stay in your room, don't go anywhere, and your first thing to do is sneak out of a window, I'm almost like, well, you know, you kind of made your own Well, no, it's actually pretty smart because everybody knows she's supposed to be in a room, so she's likely there. The killer knows she's supposed to be there. She's like, well, everybody thinks I'm there. I've got to be not there to outsmart everybody. So I think she actually is being pretty clever. Fun fact, Maybe. I just want to jump in here. At one point in the script, Courtney Cox and David Arquette had a baby in the script. Oh, wait, uh, in the script? Yeah, well, like, that that was early on, and they realized that's just too hard to make this move if there's a baby involved. Yeah, I would imagine that that would be true. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like Courtney Cox, somehow they must have signed her up for multiple movies, and they realized, like, wow, we really don't have a place for her in this movie but we've already signed her, so we've just got to make room for her. She just has yeah. no reason to be in this movie. Other than, oh, she's been in all of them. I guess she's, I don't know if she's been in all of them. She's in the first one. I know that for a fact. I think she's probably been. Yeah, I mean, she was getting restless about being in a small town, and she was almost excited when all these killings happened, and now she kind of had a new book that she could write or some other claim to fame. But um, other than that, there really isn't much going on with her story. We, uh, again, Jill's mom is the next to die. She gets stabbed through a mail slot in the door. Yeah, that's kind of neat because she died and I wasn't sure how at first. And then, of course, Sydney pulls her out. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But it seems and like then- this movie, I feel like the way they wrote it was, oh, wow, I've hit a, I've hit a rough spot. Well, who, who hadn't died yet? All right, let's just kill one of them. I feel like every time they hit a rough spot, we're like, I don't know what to put. Let's just kill somebody. I mean, yeah, and it well, works for this kind of genre. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And then all the teenagers decide to go to Hayden Panettiere's house as some sort of safe house. And again, they're not worried. They're not concerned. They're not like someplace inside the house that doesn't have windows or doors. They're sitting in the living room watching horror movies, seemingly unbothered that people are dying one by one, including like their best friends. I think what it was is like, wow, with Hayden's haircut... I don't think we're going to die. I think we're going to be in her R and we'll be safe because no one with a haircut like that's going to die. She was just too badass to die. Or was she? Okay, st- people start dying. Did she die? So, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Spoiler. One of the nerds dies. 
And then we see that um, Charlie, who is the other nerd, he is like strapped to a chair. And this is where Hayden Panettiere's character has to recite horror knowledge in order to save Charlie's life, which she does. But then, look how far into the movie. We're almost done. Then we get the first big twist. And when she goes to rescue Charlie, Charlie stabs her in the stomach. Oh, what a shame. He is just, he's just such a, yeah, because he, he says something like, I sat in front of you for four years and you didn't re recognize me until now. And now it's too late. And then he stabs her. Well, then he do some wordplay about making a move. She has to make a move early in the night. He's like, oh, you want to make yeah. a move? Let me make my knife move, cowboy. I think he says that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. Okay. And then uh, he goes and he attacks Sydney. But then Screamface stabs Sydney, and we find out that Screamface is actually Jill. And Jill and Charlie are working together, and they're framing Trevor, blah, blah, blah. Jill shoots Trevor in the penis. That's what I wrote down. I hope that's true. No, or that else. happens. I'm not that's sure. true. Okay. <laughs> then they kill Trevor. And I guess this all started. Okay, here's again, if we want to really the find flaws in the movie, scenario, right? It's the, the motivation for all of this. Is suspect. Well, suspect to a high degree. I guess that Jill did this all because she didn't want to be in Sydney's shadow. And it says something like, all I ever heard was Sydney this and Sydney that. Now I'm the special one. And she's never met Sydney. They make that clear multiple times that she's never, really, they've never met, met Sydney. They never, They're they cousins. Like the her. first time when Jill is in the police station, she's like, oh, Sydney, how's it going? They have a hug. They had to have yeah, met. But no, 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 no. They have said several times that they really haven't seen each other that often, which is weird, right? No, because if my cousin was getting murdered every five years or attempted murder every five years, I would stay <laughs> far away from them. Nothing strange there. Well, just the fact that they, well, they did say it because I was thinking, well, if they're, so, if they're distant cousins or they're not really tight, then why would it, why would she really be in the shadow of Sydney? Like she really wouldn't have that sort of hatred toward her. Well, they go to the wouldn't same be school, that big though. of a deal. Yeah, I don't know. I was suspect. I didn't think it was a very good motivation. I didn't like like just because Sydney got a lot of attention. Now she has to go kill people so that she can be the last survivor so that she could get attention. It was stupid. And then she set up Trevor because Trevor cheated on her. I don't know. Well, I mean, the I real mind it. bender here is what if Trevor hadn't cheated on her? Who would have been the fall guy then? Oh, wow. Woo. Just blew my mind there. Uh, she just so she wants the fame. She says, you don't have to achieve anything. You just need to have. Uh, OK, I think autocorrect. <laughs> you just need to have fucked, thi fucked up things happen to you. That's what she says. And there so, we go. So here's a point that the movie almost made but didn't quite because it weaves in throughout the whole movie like the other nerdy cinephile kid he's got a camera on his head he records everything to his live blog and like this whole thing about what fame is thought this movie could have gone like i never thought it would but it could have gone in this direction of what social media is and how social yeah. media does or doesn't promote people and it really felt like a missed opportunity to do more of that because we had the seeds of that throughout the movie I don't know why they didn't capitalize or try to make some kind of co any kind of comment on that, but they don't. It's kind of weird since it seems primed to do exactly that. Yeah, I agree. We and she, so she's set herself up, and she's really excited to be the last person standing. And then she finds out when she's in the hospital that Sydney's actually in the ICU. Here's where I feel like the movie dragged. Well, I need to jump she, in because this is time yeah. pertinent. So originally, the movie's going to end like this: as Good. Jill is being wheeled to the ambulance. 
And, you know, she's like saying, ah, oh, no pictures. You know, she really wants pictures because this is her dream. Yeah. A paramedic calls out from the house, hey, we have another one alive, a female. And it cuts there. And it's like, yes! oh, whoa. Do that. Now, I will say, I like the ending a lot better. But one of the deaths we get after this point, I really enjoyed. One of the hospital deaths, which is only one hospital death, but I liked it. I just feel like, man, at this point, I was like, it just dragged it drags. on and on. Man, it drags so slow. Because Jill goes to kill Sydney, and at this point, David Arquette has figured out that Jill is the killer. And then Courtney Cox has figured this out, and she's coming in to try and help. So it's like everybody takes a turn trying to kill somebody, passes out. Comes back, regains consciousness, and kills some. Like, it just takes forever for each of them to take a turn fighting. Goes on a long time. Oh, I gotta jump in, too, because we missed a part that I want to comment on about. It's basically disappointment. But once Jill reveals her plan to Sydney, Jill has to injure herself, you know, to make her story better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, it was a really... I love the concept of this. That she has to hurt herself. and But my disappointment is that it wasn't a really compelling scene, and it should have been. Like... It made me think of Fight Club. You know, there's one point where Ed Norton is in his boss's office, beats himself up, and you're like, it's just, it's a mind-blowing scene. It's crazy. Like, you can't believe someone would do this. And I get we've seen it before, but this movie had an opportunity to make that a really crazy scene. And nothing against Wes Craven. He's done some neat movies, but a better director could have made that scene something special. And I can't help but blame Wes Craven for that, because it just, that scene didn't do what it should have done. That should have been one or, of the craziest scenes of the movie. Like, when you think Scream 4, you think, oh, man, that one scene where Jill beats herself up, crazy out of this world. And it's not, and that's the problem. So the kill scene that we're coming, setting up to, obviously, we're, is Jill. You liked her death scene the most? Yeah, because it was just, what well, not the scene itself, it? but, like, when they pull up the defibrillator and they crank it up, I'm like, yeah, I mean, defibrillator deaths are just fun. And when they shock her head, too, like, that was the level of stupid death I wanted in this movie. Like, everything else is pretty, run, you know, slasher-esque, you know, run, run in the mill. That's just complete over the top. Like, if you're going to... This movie has to do something self set itself apart. Let's go over the top with defibrillator deaths. I don't know. I feel like that's very cliche. I didn't get that same love of this death scene as you I did. didn't love it. I just said it. I was also it. over it. It took forever oh, for yeah. her to die because she doesn't die there. She grabs a piece. Of, she like regains consciousness, grabs a piece of glass and tries to kill. And then Sydney shoots her. So it's like she doesn't die. She doesn't die. Wait, she, like, nothing didn't is kill her? her. No, I mean, I have a notes afterward. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Glass. That's right. It so has- it's like, oh, my gosh, really? Seriously? Like, just I, the ending you said would have been so much better. For sure. Just so much better. Well, because you just like um, you already like at this point, once they enter the hospital, you know exactly what's going to happen almost down to the second. So there's yeah. no real suspense. And it's just all right. Let's just have a bunch of people get shot or almost killed as we try to dispense with this monster that's Emma Roberts that has super strength and can't be killed. It's like she's Jason X or something. It's wild. But nobody cares because it just doesn't matter. The movie's ended and everybody knows it but the movie. Mm, yeah, I know. Alright, so this movie, like we kind of said, it did well. You don't think it made back its money, but it seems to have. It, had it a did. Budget My argument is sound. It did not make back its <laughs> estimated money. Estimated $40 million. In the U.S., it grossed 38 but ni- uh, worldwide, it was 97 So, you know, whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. But this is directed um, by Wes Craven. I, know. I have to expect a little bit more from him with his pedigree. Yeah, well... You know, it, it's just a, it's just a fun, ridiculous horror movie. That's all it is. It's all we got. Fun's debatable. If you're expecting more. It is a horror movie. Fun, debatable. 
fun debatable all right well listen that's all there really is to it is there anything else you want to say about scream 4 no i mean i it makes me curious to want to go back and watch the first scream i mean i remember that was just a cultural moment when scream we did last summer came out it yeah it's it, it did not i don't want to say it did what um oh gosh what's that woods movie came out cabin in the woods no the documentary the photo documentary oh the witch one blair witch um, yeah blair witch Blair witch. like it wasn't oh, as gosh. big as that one i mean that was such a huge oh moment. yeah but this still was a big blip yeah. in the horror movie genre and i'd just be curious to see how the original stream holds up i mean i have to imagine it's better than this one it's possible it's not i'd, I'd be curious I'm not curious enough to actually watch it but i'm curious so i kind of feel like this movie like this whole movie kind of relies on this trick of Oh yeah, we're gonna pull out the murderers and make them almost the most least likely people that could be the murderers. Just like, oh, and I have to watch and see how it could have been them. Well, no, I'm not gonna rewatch this movie. But it, it begs the question. <laughs> but I just it begs the who question. cares? That's that's a nice way to sum up this. Scream for who cares? Yeah, very much. <laughs> and on that note, if you want to find us, you can go to boxofficerefund.com or at boxofficerefund on Twitter. And, um, yeah, that's about it. What's happening on the Box Office Refund Twitter these days? Anything? No, not really. Uh, but I do have the links to our podcast up there, so by all means, go check that out. And we have a web... Did you mention our website? Do we have a website? I did. Did Box you mention the address? Refund.com. Right. Oh, yeah, you said I that? Did. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. You said it's over. I quit listening. When somebody says it's so over, we can I'm just done. Talk about the Toxic Avenger, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I'm not even joking. I love that movie. Favorite so much. all time. You're gonna make that claim. I love it. It's so. I mean, good. is it favorite all time with qualifiers, or is that unqualified favorite of all time? Yeah, I mean, it's not like like a Godfather type of love, but it's one of my like favorite bad movies of all time. We'll put it in that category. Oh, uh, favorite bad movie. Okay, that yeah, I can I'll stomach say that. a little easier. Favorite easy. one of the bad movies of all time. All right, guys. Aren't your favorite movies Toxic Avenger and The Notebook? Aren't those your two favorite? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you know me so well. That's just right on brand for me. Because didn't you say <laughs> that you really wish somehow those movies could be combined and that you would just love that? I would absolutely Wait, love for Isn't the Toxic Avenger. Avenger already pretty much like the notebook in a lot of ways? You know what? We'll talk about it next week. There's I a love story. It, there is definitely some sort of love going on. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast. <laughs>